Nearly 3,000 years ago, a prophet named Amos described himself by saying, I was no prophet, nor a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. One of 12 minor prophets in the Old Testament, Amos was not a product of the professional schools that trained prophets, nor was he born into a family of priests like Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Ministry was not the family business. On the other hand, Amos took care of sheep and farmed fig trees. And yet God chose this fig picker from Tekoa, a small village about 10 miles south of Jerusalem, to deliver divine messages to the northern kingdom. So be encouraged. God loves to choose ordinary people to do extraordinary things. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Hello and welcome to this Thursday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for tuning in. Well, the prophet Amos was something of a country preacher, a man of modest means called to take the word of the Lord to eight nations during a period of great prosperity and affluence. But it was also a time marked by greed, exploitation of the poor, and a rather severe moral decline. What was Amos' message? And how does it apply to us today? Ron has answers next as he continues his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to any of our broadcasts on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And now let's join Ron for today's Something Good Radio message, Amos, Seek God and Live. Wally Amos Criswell was born on December 19, 1909, in a small Oklahoma town called El Dorado. Yeah, I don't know where that is either. Never been there. His friends called him W.A., and W.A. actually grew up in the Texas Panhandle, where his father, who was a barber, moved the family in 1915. Needless to say, uh, humble beginnings, El Dorado, Texas, born in a barber's family, Texas panhandle raised. W.A.'s humble beginnings never even hinted at the clue or gave a clue as to how God would use him uh, during his lifetime. At the age of 10, W.A. professed faith in Jesus Christ during a revival meeting held by an evangelist named John Hicks. Two years later, W.A. made a public commitment to serve God in gospel ministry. Now, as a young lad, as he was growing up in high school, he was quite a debater. He was on the debate team. And some uh, some of his mentors came and said, you know, W.A., you need to consider a career in law. You need to go to law school. But the call of God was so strong in his heart that he he chose ministry. During his college, graduate, and postgraduate studies, W.A. served churches in out-of-the-way Texas towns like, haven't heard of these either, Marlowe, White Mound, Pecan Grove, anybody? I I lived in Texas for 20 years and married a Texas girl. Never heard of these places. Never heard of these places. But years later, in 1944, the historic First Baptist Church of Dallas called... Dr. W.A. Criswell to be their next pastor. And he served there faithfully for the next 50 years. By the way, he followed a pastor named Truett who had just served 
50 years at that church. What, what, a, what a legacy. 100 years of ministry at the First Baptist Church of Dallas, led by only two pastors. During W.A. Criswell's ministry there, he preached more than 4,000 expository sermons. He was twice elected president of the Southern Baptist Convention. He founded a college and wrote 54 books. That's pretty good for, for, for a little boy from El Dorado, Oklahoma, right? Now, I can tell a similar story about a young boy who grew up on a dairy farm in North Carolina and later became uh, the greatest evangelist of the 20th century. Perhaps only God knew the ministry potential of a little boy named Billy Graham as he was milking his father's cows. All of that kind of reminds me of a, a prophet in the Old Testament named Amos, not so famous Amos. Amos was kind of from the sticks. Um, he described himself one time in chapter 7 and verse 14. He says, I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. <laughs> he just took care of sheep, and he was a fig picker, a dresser or a grower of sycamore figs. Amos is one of the 12 minor prophets in the Old Testament. He didn't come through the professional schools that trained uh, the prophets of the day, uh, nor was he born into a family of priests and prophets like Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Uh, ministry was not the family business that Amos came from. Uh, we would call him a layman. Don't ever say, I'm just a layman. <laughs> God loves to use laymen. He loves to use Amoses and Wally Amoses from out-of-the-way kinds of places and, and just surprise the world with how he uses them. Uh, God chose this fig picker from Tekoa. You know where Tekoa is? <laughs> I didn't know either. About 10 miles south of Jerusalem 3,000 years ago, Amos grew up in the sticks. He was a southern rustic. But God plucked him out of the, uh, the sticks of Tekoa and sent him north to the northern kingdom where all these fat cow wealthy people lived and were following the evil idolatries of Jeroboam. It was through Amos that they heard these divine messages recorded for us. Now Amos took aim at the center of idol worship built by Jeroboam in Bethel. Uh, Bethel and Samaria were the two uh, capitals of the northern kingdom and uh, centers of idol worship. His messages were so stern that Amaziah, the high priest at the time, told Jeroboam the king that Amos had conspired against him, and he was conspiring against the nation. And then Amaziah, the high priest, says to uh, uh, Amos in chapter 7 and verses 12 to 13, O seer, go, flee away to the land of Judah and eat bread there and prophesy there, but never again prophesy in Bethel. For it is the king's sanctuary, and it is a temple to the kingdom. In other words, Amos, get out of town. Get out of town. When you're called of God, expect somebody to challenge your calling. It happens every time. I love the way Amos responded, though, in chapter 7, verses 16 and 17. He responded with a prophecy, <laughs> a prophecy from the Lord against Amaziah that said, Amaziah, your wife is going to wander into prostitution and your children, both of them will die before Israel is carried into captivity by the Assyrians. Whew! That fig picker from Tekoa had a spine, didn't he? And he stood up to the religious elite 
in the northern kingdom. Well, Amos ministered during the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and of course in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. These were politically and economically prosperous times in the northern and southern kingdoms. However, the divided nation was uh, rotting spiritually from the inside out, and the poor were suffering. You're going to find as you read the book of Amos that uh, the Lord despises those who despise the poor. And he sent prophet after prophet after prophet to the northern kingdom, starting with Elijah and Elisha, and then followed by Hosea and Joel and Amos, and one more we will study as a northern kingdom prophet, a guy who's pretty famous, more famous than Amos, a guy named Jonah, went to the northern kingdom as well. But Israel did not listen. And after Amaziah rebuked Amos, the prophet Amos returned to Judah where he lived, and he wrote down the messages that God had placed on his heart and that he tried to deliver to the people there. Eight burdens, three sermons, five visions, and three promises from the Lord. That's how you kind of outline the book of Amos. So let's take a look at each of these. Starting with these eight burdens or prophetic judgments that are brought against uh, the nations, the pagan nations, the surrounding nations, plus Israel and Judah. I'm talking about chapters one and two. It's good to know that the word or the name Amos means burden or burden bearer. Uh, he carried as a prophet of God the heavy burden of God's messages to six nations plus Israel and Judah, and he recorded them for us in chapters one and two. He begins by talking about the word of the Lord roaring like a lion. And it does. Somebody once described God's word as a lion. Just let it loose and it'll do its job. And Amos says, the word of the Lord roars like a lion. And then he, he, he uses a little poetic flair to deliver these eight burdens. He uses a phrase uh, to introduce each of them, for three transgressions and for four. He says, hey, Damascus, for three transgressions and for four, this is what's going to happen to you if you don't return to the Lord. It was the Lord's way of saying, your sins are numerous. You have crossed a line with me. Enough is enough. This is the last straw. And Amos uh, delivered these burdens one after another. The Lord uh, uh, judged these nations for their violence, for their cruelty, especially toward the weak and the poor, that they sold into slavery. By the way, the nations uh, listed there were Damascus and Gaza and Tyre and Edom, the Amorites and Moab. Uh, these are all the, uh, the, the pagan foreign nations that surrounded Israel and Judah. Each nation heard the Lord say, I will send fire. Fire, a, a symbol of judgment in the Old Testament. Now, the Israelites at that time in the northern kingdom would have shouted, Amen, praise the Lord, you go get them, Amos, you know, you little fig picker from Tekoa. We like what we're hearing you're saying about our enemies out there, but as quickly as they heard this about the enemies of Israel, the Lord turns on Israel in the north and Judah in the south and uh, highlights their injustices. Yes, God held his people accountable for their own sins. And Amos uses the same literary phrase, for three transgressions and for four, Israel. For three transgressions and for four, Judah. Amos made it clear that Israel was no better than the foreign pagan nations. In fact, even worse, because they were God's chosen people, acting like pagans, acting like uh, children of the devil. 
Well, Judah, the southern kingdom, had rejected God's laws and did not keep his holy statutes, and Amos delivered a much longer pronouncement against Israel, against the northern kingdom. And the list of grievances included social injustices, sexual immorality, idolatry. Specifically, it says, they sold the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. They trampled the head of the poor. They profaned the Lord's name through gross sexual behavior. God was grieved when his own people cared little for the poor and profaned his holy name. And through the use of this... um, poetic phrase. For three transgressions and for four, we might say poetic justice always belongs to the Lord. It always belongs to Him. Stay with us. There's still more to come from Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Listen to Ron's messages on demand on your schedule at somethinggoodradio.org. Again, that's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, be sure to check out Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps, a free online discipleship coaching experience that was created by Dr. Ron Jones. Look for Something Good courses when you visit our new streaming platform at somethinggoodradio.org. That's Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps, where you'll discover what it means to be a disciple and learn how to train others to be true followers of Christ. Through the prophet Amos, God had some stern words for Israel's enemies but he also had plenty to say to the two divided kingdoms of Israel itself. Here's Ron with the second half of today's message, Amos, Seek God and Live. Well, we move from the eight burdens then to three sermons that um, Amos delivers in chapters three through six. And he, he delivered these sermons to Israel, each beginning with the phrase, hear this word. We go from three transgressions even to four to hear this word, hear this word, hear this word. It reminds me of the time that Jesus says in the gospels, do you have ears to hear? Ears to hear what the Lord is saying. Or it reminds me of uh, Romans 10 and verse 17 that says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Or it reminds me of the trucker on the highway who says to his fellow trucker, you got your ears on? Do truckers still use CBs? I'm not sure. Maybe that's an old illustration. Or how about the wife that says to her husband, are you listening to me? Okay, hear this word. Let's hear the the word of the ancient prophet 3,000 years ago that's more relevant or as relevant today as it was in uh, Amos' time. The first sermon recorded in chapter 3 is a general pronouncement against Israel for her sins. And in case God's people had any doubts that the Lord would uh, punish her sin, I love this, Amos records seven sarcastic questions at the beginning of chapter three. Anybody here kind of got a sarcastic side to them, you know? Somebody asks you a question and you give a sarcastic response as if to say, no duh, right? That's sarcasm. Sarcasm can be a, a fun thing. I like to be sarcastic once in a while. I can take your sarcasm, give it right back to you a little bit. Well, the Lord gets sarcastic with his people through his prophet. For example, do two walk together unless they have agreed to meet? Is a trumpet blown in a city and the people are not afraid? It would be like us saying, do birds have feathers? 
Do bees buzz? Of course the Lord will hold you accountable for your sins if you do not repent. That's the point of the sarcasm. Amos begins the second sermon in chapter 4 with words that were probably not well received by the people. Uh, remember, he, he's kind of a southern hick from Tekoa, and he's come to the north to these wealthy, prosperous, sophisticated people. And his scathing sarcasm continued when he called the wealthy women of Samaria, are you ready for this, cows of Bashan. Cow, he basically called them fat cows. Can you believe it? I mean, this is the prophet of God. He called them that because they oppressed the poor and they crushed the needy. And he said, you're only concerned about whether your husband will bring you something to drink, you fat cows, you. That's win friends and influence people with messages like that, right? His insults landed like a Don Rickles insult in their hearts, right? He warns them of the coming day when the Lord will uh, carry them away with fish hooks. What, a, what an image that is. The Lord goes on to review all the times he tried to persuade ancient Israel to return to him. For example, get this in chapter 4 and verse 7. He says, I also withheld the rain from you when there were yet three months to harvest. Now keep in mind, this is an agricultural economy. Rain matters especially when you're three months away from harvest. And through Amos, the Lord says, you know, I was trying to get your attention. I stopped the rain. Actually, it rained over here a little bit and then over here a little bit, and I saw you running around like roaches you know, looking for some water just for yourself, let alone your crops. And you got to say, does, does God do such things? Does he hurt their agricultural economy to get them to repent? Will God mess with my personal economy just to get my attention? Good question. Here's my response. Do birds have feathers? Do bees buzz? You bet he will. He'll go to great lengths to try to get our attention. All in all, the Lord recalls five specific times the people, quote, did not return to me. What a phrase there. They did not return to me. Even after I withheld the rain, and upset their agricultural economy. They did not return to me, even after he laid heavy burdens on them like drought, food scarcity, pestilence. We call them viruses today. Is it possible the Lord would use a virus to get the attention of our nation, let alone the world? Does he do things like that? What about an attack on our nation? like September 11th, 2001. Does God allow something like that to wake us up from our spiritual lethargy? I remember during that time, shortly after 9-11, the day that we commemorated the 20th anniversary yesterday, uh, we came together as a nation. We came across political lines. We were never more unified. Uh, more of us, never were there more of us back in our churches seeking God, but it was short-lived. What about Hurricane Katrina? Was that a wake-up call? Kind of like the locust invasion of Joel's time. I pray the Lord never says to us, after all I did to get your attention, 
you did not return to me. Remember, he's a patient, long-suffering God, desiring to bless us far more than to bring judgment. But there are consequences built into the economy of the world and the universe if, if, we, don't, if we don't seek him. The third sermon in chapters 5 and 6 highlights more sins of the ancient house of Israel. It begins with a funeral lament, and it predicts Israel will fall and only 10% of the people will survive. That's a 90% casualty rate. A prophecy in Scripture, that's a tough one. In the middle of the sermon, the Lord pleads to Israel. Here's our theme, chapter 5 and verse 4. Seek me and live. Let's say that together. Seek me and live. The Lord goes on to mention cities like Bethel and Gilgal and Beersheba. Maybe they're not familiar to us, but it was familiar to them back then. These had become places where people sought pleasure and prosperity and the pagan gods of the foreign nations. And the Lord repeats to the people, seek good and not evil that you may live. And so the Lord, the, the God of hosts, will be with you as you have said. Now, this is not the first time in our study of the prophets, major or minor, that we've come across the Lord's invitation to seek him. Do you remember the prophet Jeremiah? Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 13, the Lord says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. If you seek me, you will find me. That's Jeremiah. Amos, seek God and live. The word seek speaks of a, of a quest we are on. What kind of quest are you on? What are you seeking after? Where are you today? Is it a time of poverty or a time of prosperity? Whatever the case, be encouraged to live the way the Lord has asked you to live. There is no better place, no more joyful of a place, than to live in obedience to the way and the will of the Lord. You're listening to Something Good Radio. Today's message, Amos, Seek God and Live, along with all of Ron's messages, can be heard on demand on your schedule at somethinggoodradio.org. Check out the Something Good Digital Library with more than 500 hours of Bible teaching from Dr. Ron Jones that'll help you in your journey with Jesus. Again, that's somethinggoodradio.org. Need prayer today? Stop by the new somethinggoodradio.org and share your request with us. Click on Explore and then scroll down to the How Can We Pray For You option. That's somethinggoodradio.org. We also want to say thank you because your prayers and financial support make it possible for Ron to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your donations do make a difference. And when you give a gift this month, Ron will say thank you by sending you a new resource that goes right along with this current series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. It's Ron's ebook based on the 12 minor prophets of the Old Testament, covering the books of Hosea through Malachi. Request this digital download when you make a gift to Something Good Radio. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456 and you can call our offices at 757-276-1099.
we sing God bless America, but are we really that blessable? Come on now, let's be honest. Pray for America. Pray that God doesn't bring, lower the boom on America. We certainly deserve it for a whole host of reasons and a whole list of uh, abominations and the way we've profaned God's word. We, we deserve God's judgment more than we deserve his blessing. Pray for America. If God used the prayer of a fig picker from Tekoa to avert the disaster of locusts and fire, he can use your, your, your prayers and my prayers as well. That's next time when Dr. Ron Jones shares part two of his message, Amos, Seek God and Live. Join us then for Something Good. Now for Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio. I'm Brian Davis saying so long and thanks for listening.